Hey guys, don't cry. <clears throat> um, I've had the privilege to uh, work in several uh, remote Alaskan villages. And if you've ever been to the far north, you know what I mean when I say that uh, there's some things that you see that's just not easily explained. And maybe that's why so many of the people that live out there have these oral traditions or oral histories of, of mystical beings. Like in uh, Kodiak, it was the river duck. And in, uh, in Nulado, it was the woodsman. In Bethel, my students told me about the little people. And I told them, yeah, that's a superstition. And he said, oh, you better be careful what you say. Else those little people will come get you. <laughs> Well, I have a story. I saw something. To this day, I just can't explain it. I was living in Nulato, and it was a, uh, it was a cold one, cold even by interior standards. But even still, despite the cold, I grabbed my snow machine one day, and my dog, my husky dog named Fido, P-H-Y-D-E-A-U-X, Fido. <laughs> and we headed north of town. We first followed a packed snow machine trail for a couple of miles until that petered out. And the day was much too young. I kept going on pure white velvet, thick powder, further and further up into the Nulado Hills until I reached a ravine where I got my snow machine totally stuck. It wasn't moving anywhere. That was rookie mistake number one. <laughs> I climbed out of the ravine, and I am in about the deep snow. Rookie mistake number two, no snowshoes. <laughs> and I knew that was going to be a long, hard walk back to town. And it did not disappoint. In a short while, I was, despite the weather, it was way below zero. I was dripping with sweat. So I vented my parka. I took, out my, took off my beaver hat and carried it and kept on slugging through the snow. It took a long time. It was tough. But eventually, I did make it back to the packed trail, but that's when I saw it, right there beside the trail. Moose tracks. Obviously moose tracks. Perfect moose tracks. Not a full-grown one, but maybe a two-year-old. But when I say perfect, it was as if they had been made in a sandbank along the river, they indented the snow only about a quarter inch. No, they couldn't have been moose tracks. So I stepped off the trail and I sunk up to my knees. Any moose of any size could have been held up by the snow. So I, my, my mind was racing, this could be moose, they were rabbit. And they weren't rabbit. They were cloven hooves. The spacing was perfect for moose. Well, being a science teacher, that wasn't good enough. I had to find out what it was. I mean, obviously, there had to be an answer, so I kept following. Maybe a couple hundred feet. And I came across this huge pit. It was like all of a sudden this mystical moose had broken through the surface. And it was this pit where the snow was thrown up. Branches from a nearby tree had been strewn around. This wasn't just breaking through the snow, this thing was like it was thrashing around, like it was being attacked, whatever it was. But I looked, and there was no other tracks coming towards it, 
no bicycle. I looked on the far side of the pit, and the tracks kept on going, still on top of the snow. I followed them until I came to a second pit. Same thing, but no hair, no blood. And then again, I kept on following these tracks to a third pit. And now, I reached down into the pit, and I felt the snow, and it sifted through my fingertips. It was fresh, very fresh. Just that moment, I heard a low, rumbling sound that was coming from Fido. Now, this was the sweetest dog in the world. Hardly ever barked, never was menacing. But this came deep within her. It was primordial. It was a menacing, warning, fearful sound. Her haunches were raised. Her eyes were laser-focused into the woods, into the dim light of the late afternoon. I looked out, searching. Hey! Hey! Nothing. Just then, Fida wheeled around and she raced back to the trail. Oh, I have one other brother, and as far as I know, my mother raised no dumb kids. <laughs> and I raced right back to that trail, and we ran down that trail as fast as we could the rest of the distance until we broke through the woods to the town site of Nevada. Only then did I slow down and start walking. It was dim light then, and a shadowy figure came towards me. It was one of the elders, Henry. And he said, Mark, Mark, what's wrong? Mark, are you okay? I looked down, my heart was still unzipped. My hat was in my hand. My ears were frosted. My nose was a cold white button, as were my cheeks. There would be blisters there the next morning. I said, I'm all right, Henry. Uh, I'm all right. Nothing's wrong. And I kept walking, though I could feel his eyes on the bathroom. I never told anyone in the village about that day or what I saw. And really, to be honest, in the last four years, I've told hardly anyone, well, except now. <laughs> um, and I think there's two reasons for that. First of all, I didn't want to look in the eyes of the person that was listening and see the condescending look of dismissal and disbelief. I didn't want to see or hear the patronizing, oh, that's a nice story, I bet you were scared. But more importantly, at this stage, I don't want to know. I don't want someone to say, I think I know what you actually saw, or I saw that too. I'd rather my memory lay somewhere between what is known and what is unknown, which is of the Arctic. Thank you.